All right, if I can remember all these things. <laughs> but if I don't, you lift them up because God hears our prayers and, and uh, whether they're repeated even accurately or not, but uh, uh, he hears and he answers. So let's, let's go to him in prayer. Father, we, we just thank you and praise you, Lord, that you're our father, our daddy father, our Abba father, and we can uh, come to you uh, boldly before the throne of grace um, because of what Christ has done for us. He's, the veil has been ripped from, from top to bottom, and uh, uh, Lord, we have access now into your very presence because of the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all of our sin, as we have sung about this morning. So, Lord, our hearts are just filled with uh, amazement at your grace, amazement that you would love sinners like us, that you would care for us, when we know our sinful hearts, that we uh, stray from you every day. And, Lord, we fall short of your glory every day. But, Lord, you love us in spite of us, your unconditional love endures forever. So, Lord, fill us with the love of Christ this morning. We lift up to you, Josh and Lily, and all that they're going through. We, Lord, don't know all the details, but we would pray that you would be with them, direct them, give them wisdom uh, to make right decisions in every way. And so, Father, we just thank you for that. And for the conference, the mission conference coming up, for those that will be traveling, and for all those that will come, fill them with your spirit. Lord, may our hearts be blessed by them. And for Lydia and Ryan as they are apart, and uh, just uh, comfort them. And, and uh, Lord, they may focus, be on Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith, that they may see that you are really all they need as they find rest and peace and joy in you uh, during this uh, time apart. And also for Amelia's grandfather who had this stroke and just the transition that they're going through. Uh, Lord, um, for uh, Elvis and Yvonne, just be with them, God, uh, and bless them. And for these requests that Kevin has, has mentioned, uh, 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 concerning these couples for Jared and Kayla uh, and her complications bring healing there but Lord that Kevin would be uh, a witness to them and for to Chris and Samantha as, as well Lord that uh, as the prayer request has come that we would be better witnesses for you that we would be bold witnesses for you that we would point men and women and children to Christ for he is our only hope and our only salvation. And so, Lord, that's how all of our prayers. We pray for uh, the, the uh, ministry to the youth in this church. Lord, our desire is to have a youth ministry as it is uh, on our hearts. And so, Lord, uh, bring that about. Bring that about, Lord, as you are a gracious God to do that. Help us not to sit back and wait, but to seek out and uh, and uh, follow your paths. Uh, and so, God, this morning, uh, come now and, and speak to us from your word. Humble us, Lord, and may we see uh, uh, the God that you are, not the God that we would make in our own minds. 
but that we would bow before such a holy and awesome God. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, in the book of Romans, chapter 12, we'll again finish. This will be the last sermon on, on 12. It's been a, a, a great passage of Scripture, a lot of practical things here for all of us. We have seen, uh, <clears throat> Paul has said, um, and it's really been a clear message, He says in verse 9, for instance, let your love be without hypocrisy, be uh, devoted to one another in brotherly love in verse 10. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you, Uh, bless and do not curse. In verse 17, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. And again, notice it's never, not sometimes is okay, but never. And again, in verse 19, the same thing, never Take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals uh, on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Uh, This is impossible in the flesh to do. Absolutely impossible in the flesh. Uh, We find so often our flesh just rises up and uh, we rebel against this truth because we really do do want to have vengeance. We really want them to get what they deserve. But brothers and sisters, thank God we don't get what we deserve. And I think the more and more we understand that wonderful truth, it's by grace you've been saved. We can love people that don't love us. I mean, that's really the simple message. We could go home right now and just hold that. We're not, but <laughs> we could. maybe we wouldn't. Oh, here's my clicker. But uh, uh, these, these verses have a simple, clear message that we've seen all the way through, and that is uh, be merciful people. Be merciful people. Uh, treat people better than they deserve. This is the message of Romans chapter 12. This is the message, by the way, of Jesus. It was his message. And we saw him doing this. And he says, but I say to you who hear, and again, you have to hear it. You have to have ears to hear it. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. That's huge. You know what that is? That is love on the offensive. Think about it. That's love on the offensive. That is living out what you claim to be. And that's what Jesus did. Uh, uh, Be merciful people. Go the extra mile. Don't retaliate. Bless those who curse you. This is a clear teaching from Scripture. And we need to change if we're not like that. And you can 
You say, well, I can't do that. No, you won't do that. You can do that if you have God's Holy Spirit. There's a, there's a big difference. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't do that. You don't have the power to do that. And, uh, you know, I've met some people who have held on to things 30 and 40 years, and they're still bitter. They're still angry at something that was done to them. They have never let it go. And it's sad because they're the ones who are suffering. They've never really understood uh, that love of Christ uh, the way they should. But you know what? When we do that, we show something of what God is like. And of course, God is supernatural. God does the impossible. But He can do that impossible thing within us. But we show what God is like. Matthew 5, 44 and 45. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Now what does God do, what does God do for those undeserving? He says... He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and send rain on the righteous and the other, on the unrighteous. When it rains in Mobile, it's not just the believers who gets rain on their fields. It's on everyone. And we should be the same way as God is. You see, we're, we're like God. But never forget that. Also, Psalm 103, verse 10. He has not dealt with a... Uh, us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Beloved, you do not want to be rewarded according to your iniquities. You don't. You don't want justice. Get that. If you don't get anything else, get that. Uh, And I'm glad he does not do that. I am thankful for his great grace in my life. Uh, Ephesians 4, 32, Paul says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other. Now notice, this is what God is like, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So when you really understand the gospel, when your life has been changed by the power of God, and you understand and you experience the love of Christ that you've been forgiven much. And the really, the, the more you grow as a Christian, the more you're going to understand how much you have been forgiven. And as you understand that, you're going to love more. You're going to grow. You're going to grow in, in this fashion. It also shows that your heart is content. That's what else it shows. Not only what God is like, but that your heart is content uh, with all that God is for you in Christ. You're content. In Philippians 4, 11 through 13, Paul says, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. And in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him or through Christ who strengthens me. The only way you can do the impossible is through Christ, is by having Christ in your heart and looking to him and uh, 
remembering what he has done for you, believing, it's really believing what is true about you. It's really believing that. And when you really believe that, then you can live it out because you believe it. Uh, I think it's really just as simple as that. Uh, But it, it tells the world, I don't need to gratify my heart by taking vengeance on you. I am at peace. I am satisfied in my God. See, I'm satisfied in Christ who strengthens me. That's where satisfaction is found. It's in Christ. Uh, I hand it over to the one who judges justly. That's what you're doing. I don't need self-exaltation. I don't need revenge. I don't need money, comfort, security. My God is all I need. And the psalmist said that in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, and as a little girl said, and that's all I want. Because it's all I need. He is all you need to make you happy, secure, content, and comfort. And He is. And He will be for all eternity when we get to be with Him and and out of this world. And we'll understand that perfectly. Uh, and, And with that understanding, with that power that's working in me, I can serve others and serve Him. And that's not all about me. Now, I'm not saying that we do this perfectly. No, we still have the old flesh that, that is battling and that uh, wars against us, against our spirit and the spirit of God in us. But nonetheless, uh, it's real. So God has satisfied my soul. You say, well, I'm not like this. I'm not like this. You can be. And you need to pray, Lord, change my heart. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But merciful is not all that God is. God is not just merciful, but he is a God of justice. And that's the point that Paul is making here at the end of, of Romans of Roman 12. He is a God of wrath. He is a God of anger. He is a God of fury. He is a God of vengeance. Why? Because all sin must be punished. But we, as his children, can rest in the fact that he's going to do that for us against our enemies. Do you really believe that? That you don't have to take vengeance because God is going to do that on your behalf. God is a holy God. And God does not uh, hide this fact about himself in the scriptures that he is a God of wrath. Paul quotes Deuteronomy uh, 32-35. Vengeance is mine. And let's go back and look at uh, Deuteronomy 32, uh, 35 and 41. Vengeance is mine and retribution in due time their foot will slip. For the day of their calamity is near and the impending things are hastening upon them. 
If I sharpen my flashing sword and my hand takes hold on justice, notice justice, I will render vengeance on my adversary and I will repay those who hate me. You don't have to do it, is what he's saying. You don't have to do it. Why? You've got to believe that God is going to do it. Matter of fact, and you really believe that what that's, what that's going to make you do, I believe, is have pity on them. Because this is for all eternity. It will cause you to love them. Because this is the, what they're facing. Think about it. And so, Matthew uh, five, uh, uh, chapter 3 and verse 7, John the Baptist warned his hearers to flee from the wrath to come. This is all through uh, Scripture. Psalm uh, 7 and verse 11, God is angry with the wicked every day. Uh, also, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. Second uh, Corinthians 5.11, Paul says, Therefore, knowing the terror of the, terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Because you know what their fate is. God's wrath is real. Uh, he does not apologize. It's an attribute of His, just like His love and His mercy is. And it's sure. And it will come, when Jesus comes again, it will not be as an infant. Brothers and sisters, it is going to be the terrible day of the Lord. And there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth for those who do not know him. And we need to, we need to uh, pray for them. God, uh, wrath is, someone said this, I like this definition. Uh, uh, God's wrath is his settled anger toward sin expressed in the repayment of proper vengeance on the guilty sinner. It's a proper vengeance on the guilty sinner. They really deserve the sentence that they get, is what he's saying. And this is what Paul is saying. In other words, God does not take vengeance on the innocent. Why? Because there is no such creature. And yet we find God did take vengeance on the innocent. And that was his own son, Jesus, who was our substitute in our place. Wow. What love, what love that is. I hope that just will just settle more and more in our, into our being and we'll just love what Christ has done for us, what God did for us. We see this, this anger and wrath of God put together over a hundred times in Scripture. Just a couple of quick examples. Psalm 6.1, O oh Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger nor chasten me in your wrath. Psalm 90, verse 7, For we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we have been dismayed. We find it everywhere in God's Word. And those who do not know Christ will someday suffer that wrath if they do not repent. What is this wrath that falls on lost human beings? The Bible tells us four things that... Uh, we can learn about it. For one thing, it is eternal. It has no end, this wrath. And why am I telling you all of this? So you'll pray for the lost. So you'll have pity on those who do not know Christ. That you'll love them 
because of what faces them? Daniel 12, 2. Many of those who sleep in the dust, it sounds like the New Testament when you read this, will awake and, uh, and these to everlasting life, but others to disgrace and everlasting. Notice, everlasting content. Also in Mark 9, 43 and 48, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than having your two hands to go into hell into the, notice, unquenchable fire where a worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than having your two feet be cast into hell where a worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your eye causes you to stumble, throw it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell where worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. It's everlasting. It's everlasting. It is unquenchable. That's what uh, hell would be like. And we need, to, we need to have a heart for those who do not know Christ to pray for them. What did Paul say? 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 9. Uh, if you haven't figured it out, i got a lot of verses. <laughs> but I love the scripture because they speak for themselves. 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 9. For after all, it is only just for God to repay with afflictions those who afflict you. It is just, notice, for God to repay with afflictions to those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in what? Flaming fire. That's what it's going to be like when he returns. It's not going to be, uh, it's going to be wonderful for those who know him, but for those who, who don't. Dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus, these will pay the penalty of how long? Eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And by the way, destruction here in the Greek does not mean annihilation. It's separation from God. Separation from God. So we do not have to take vengeance, brothers and sisters. Secondly, we find the wrath of God is terrible and full of pain. It's terrible and full of pain. Revelation uh, 14, 10 through 11. He also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Uh, this is the beast of which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger and will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the lamb and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest day and night. Those who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. It's not gonna, this is the doom for those that worship uh, the beast. This is a clear picture. And you might say, well, aren't fire and brimstone just symbols? You know, it's not really real fire and brimstone, is it? Yes, it is. I believe it is. I believe it's literal fire. If it's not, it'll, it'll be something so terrible 
that this is his way of describing it. There's going to be such pain. Have you ever burned your hand on a stove or grabbed something hot off the stove thinking it wasn't hot? It's very, very painful. There will be those that will suffer that for all. And, and why do we want to take vengeance on them? This is what Paul is saying. Love them. Love your enemies. Why? Because of what their plight is. They will. Uh, he will repay. We just read that. He will repay. Thirdly, the wrath of God will be deserved. Uh, for it is totally just and right. Colossians 3, 5, and 6. Therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, and evil desire and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. It's well deserved because they're sons of disobedience. They have not obeyed the gospel of God as we read. You might say, well, you know, Hitler really deserves God's wrath. I can understand Hitler, but not me. I'm a, I'm a good person. At heart, I'm really a good person. By the way, how many sins did it take for the first Adam to fall? How many sins have you committed in your life? Probably. Did somebody say that? No, no. You <laughs> mean all forgiven. All forgiven. Hallelujah. One sin brought down this world. James 2.10. What does it say? For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. You're just as guilty as Hitler. If you're without Christ, you're guilty. And then fourthly, the wrath of God is escapable. It is escapable. Does anybody guess to wonder how it's escapable? It is in Christ. You must be in Christ for that to be escapable. Galatians 3.10, For as many as are of the works of law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. But there is one who performed them. And who is that? Christ. Christ. He performed every one of them. He became a curse for us that we would not be cursed. Galatians 3.13, on down it says, uh, read it. I didn't write it down, but uh, he became a curse uh, for us that we would not uh, be cursed. So what is Paul telling us here? We're about done. <laughs> I've said that before, haven't but, but what is Paul telling us here in this, these last verses here in Romans 12? What is he saying? He's saying, I believe, you who are mistreated 
Don't take justice into your hands. Do not seek vengeance. Now, does that mean that there is not going to be justice? There is not going to be vengeance? Yes, there will be. And God is the one who will do that. What does verse 19 say of Romans 12? What did we read? It says, Never take your own revenge, but leave room for the wrath of God. In other words, what Paul is saying is here, leave it in God's hand. Now, what I'm saying is, do you have uh, vengeance against someone? Do you have revenge? Do you want somebody to be repaid for how they have hurt you? Then what I'm telling you is, you have not left it in God's hands. Clear and simple, I don't see how you can say it any other way. You have not left it with God. Why? Because I think when you do, what is going to fill your heart? Peace, love, joy. And if you hold on to it, it's going to destroy you. It'll eat you, it'll eat you. And this is what Paul is saying. But we can do this by the power of God through believing the gospel, believing what is uh, true about us. Leave it to the wrath of God. There is vengeance, there is justice, but God will be the one who repays and set everything right You see, either your enemy will pay his debt in hell or he will repent and trust Christ having his debt paid. That's what Paul is saying. But all wrongs will be punished. Uh, We we talked about this morning already about Christ in the the, uh, reading of the scriptures. Uh, Carl talked about a substitute. We need a substitute. We need a substitute. Second Corinthians 5.21 He made him, Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin on your behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Wow. He became sin that we might become righteous. He took on our sin that we might receive His perfect record. And so, right now, those of us who know Christ stand before Him perfect in Christ. Imagine that. Imagine such love that God has uh, would do such a thing. And so, for us to nurse hatred for our enemies, are you in Christ? Are you acting like you're in Christ? Think about it in your own life. He suffered the wrath you deserve. And yet you cannot let it go. Ask yourselves. And I say flee to the cross to find mercy. Flee to the cross to find mercy. Because the wrath of God is not something you want to experience you know God would not have killed his own son if it were not necessary God is committed that justice be done every dishonor done to his glory by our sin will be punished found that in the Old Testament 
Nahum 1-2, a jealous and avenging God is the Lord. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserves wrath for his enemies. Couldn't say it any better than that. Are you in Christ? Do you know him? Have you been changed by his power to where you can love your enemies? Where you really do love your enemies? Or is there somebody right now in your heart that you want to see get, get it? Like the little boy that was bullied by uh, a playmate of his in school and he got in trouble and the they, she asked the class, what should be done to this child? And the little boy yells, bash him, kill him, beat him up because that's what he's been doing to me. But you see, that's not the gospel. The gospel would say, no, love him, have mercy on him. Has our hearts really been changed? Do we really believe the gospel? Do we really have you experienced that love in your own heart to where you can say, you know, I, I can't tell you the incident uh, because it would be letting out too much information, but I had someone very dear to me uh, this uh, weekend. And I talked to him and says, you know, with what I have done to hurt you, uh, all that I've done to cause you uh, to hate me, uh, I know I've hurt you, but I can feel your love for me. And I just started weeping because he really could, because I really do love him even though he has hurt me greatly I love him see that's the love that Christ is talking about in his word to love your enemies to love your enemies love those who even hurt you why because by that you heap coals of fire on their head you you're going to help them it's going to bring them to repentance in their own life because they're going to see the love of Christ is real in your life and they're going to have that in their own. That's why we need each other. And we need to be praying for one another and go to, one of me, uh, to, to him on uh, each other's behalf. Now, and it doesn't mean uh, either that you're glad that they're going to be punished. The last verse, do not rejoice when your enemy falls and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. Boy, I've done that before even with other believers who hurt me, I've said, well, he got what he deserved. Finally, everybody knows the truth now, and I sure feel better about myself. Wow, how wicked that is. See, that was coming from my own nature. Let's go to the Lord and as we bow our hearts and our lives before him. Ask yourselves this, why can't I love? Why can't I love those that don't love me? I would say because you have not laid it down at Jesus' feet. You've not laid it down at his feet. Or you keep picking it up again after you've laid it down. What blocks it? It's what blocks it is holding on 
to the wrong that's been done to you. It's holding on to the wrong that's been done to you. But I guarantee you, if you lay it down, love will happen. God will give you a love for people who are unlovely if you really lay it down. Will you do that this morning? I invite you to lay it down. Whatever it is, ten years ago I was carrying so much bitterness about against people, Christians, those who weren't Christians, that are, and, and I was filled with bitterness. And yet God, in a powerful way, worked in my life to where I laid it down. And then I was filled with the love of Christ like I've never experienced before in my life. And he'll do that for you. What is it? Lay it down and experience that love, that peace that passes all understanding. Father, I just ask now, work in our hearts by your mighty power. Lord, we need you. I need you because I fall short every day. I sin against you in thought, word, and deed. Yet, Lord, I, I am so thankful that I have a substitute, Jesus, the righteous one, who died in my place. God, fill me with his love for me. Fill me with his love for me that I might express that love to other people. In Jesus' name, amen.